The reading for today is Matthews 11, 2 through 6. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, George. Good morning. Happy second Sunday of Advent. I have a question for you. Are you ready to dig into some scriptures? Somebody say yes like you mean it. Okay, good, good. Like even if two of you are ready, we're doing it. Even if none of you, you know, I'm doing it anyway. I mean, it's the plan. But before we dig in, and if you've got your Bibles with you, just get ready. We're going to Isaiah, okay? Uh, I will have the scriptures all on the screen. But before we get all deep into that goodness and get it real heady, we're going to watch this. Kids are getting presents from their parents. Bad presents. you eat off of it. Oh, I'm sure they had these great expectations for what was going to be underneath that beautiful wrapping paper. And then as soon as all that wrapping came off, what they found underneath was nothing like what they wanted. My favorite too, um, well, my favorite one was the kid with the hot dog and his little dog comes up and is like, let me take that terrible gift off your hand. You know, just like, I'll take that. And then what was that girl, the last girl who got the half-eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwich? What did she say? I appreciate her getting us a present, but I didn't know it'd be like that, right? Sometimes we can be a bit like those kids when it comes to our understanding of how God is supposed to act in our lives, can't we? 
You know, maybe you've prayed for a situation to turn in your favor, and instead difficult or painful circumstances just, just seem to keep on going. Maybe you've prayed for a healing that, that didn't come or didn't come in the time or in the way that you wanted it to come. Um, or maybe it's just hard for you to understand why, if, if God is good all the time, as we say, there is so much evil and suffering and pain in this world. You know, if Jesus has come to save and redeem and bring joy and peace to all mankind, then why is there so much suffering? You know, maybe you find yourself saying, I mean, I appreciate you coming, but I didn't know it would be like that. If you've ever felt that way, I've got three words of encouragement for you this morning. The first is this, even those who are God's biggest fans can doubt and become disappointed and disillusioned with God. You are blessed when you take no offense at Jesus or at the nature of his kingdom when they don't meet your expectations. And the light of Christ shines even in the darkest of circumstances. There is no place too dark for him to go. And there is no person that he won't call to come into his kingdom. Matthew eleven two through 6 is a great example of that first word of encouragement because even John the Baptist, Jesus' biggest fan, the one who confidently announced, I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God, struggled at one point, at one point with seeing that Jesus really did fulfill the role of Messiah. How do I know he struggled with this? Because of the question he sent his disciples to ask Jesus. Are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? You see, John's understanding was that when the Messiah came, he would not only save and redeem, heal and restore, but he would also exercise judgment on the wicked. He understood that when Messiah came, those things were happening at the same time. Now, John didn't just come up with that on his own. He got it straight from Scripture, more specifically from the prophet Isaiah. You see, in the book of Isaiah, there are several chapters that specifically reference the anticipated messianic era, the time when the Messiah would come to restore and redeem Israel. And within those chapters, you get not only this beautiful picture of of healing and restoration that will happen in, in very real and tangible ways among God's people when the Messiah comes, but you also read clearly in those passages about God's judgment on the wicked. Now listen to a few of these passages from Isaiah. Okay, I've got four, just four of them. There's more than this, but here's four of them. Isaiah 35, four through six. Be strong, do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. Isaiah 29, 18 through 20. On that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a scroll and out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. For the tyrant shall be no more and the scoffer shall cease to be and all those who plot evil shall be cut off. Isaiah 26, 19 and 21, your dead shall live. 
O dwellers in the dust, awake and sing for joy. The Lord comes out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. In Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has appointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Now look, God, John knew these passages backwards and forwards. He knew every single piece of prophetic information there was about the Messiah. And and so when he discerned that now was the era of the promised Messiah, he started preaching, repent. You guys turn away from corrupt living and live in a way that honors God. Even now, he said, the axe is laying at the root of the trees and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You see, repentance was crucially important for John because if the Messiah had finally come now, then judgment on the wicked would be happening very soon. And so he urged everyone to repent of their sins and prepare for the coming of the Messiah. He even warned Herod, who was a terribly cruel leader, calling him to repentance as well. And unfortunately for John, Herod did not take that well. He and his family were very offended by what John said, and John was thrown into prison. And so get this picture with me. Here's John. He has been as faithful to God as any person can be. He believes that the promised Messiah has finally come in the person of Jesus. And he also believes that the role of Messiah will be to lay down some serious judgment, expelling all those who are wicked, which would include Herod, which would mean that John would be freed from prison, And yet nothing of that sort is happening. Now you can imagine, can't you, that John may be wondering that just maybe, maybe he had gotten it all wrong. Maybe, maybe Jesus wasn't the one because Jesus wasn't exactly fulfilling John's expectations the way John had anticipated the Messiah would. And so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one? Like, I've been telling everybody. I've been telling everybody, Jesus. Can we get this straight? Are you the one? And how did Jesus respond? You go back and you tell John exactly what you hear and see. And then pay attention to how Jesus lays this out. I've put it on these slides for you so you can see the scripture references to Isaiah with every single thing he says. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the good news brought to them. Jesus has done every single one of these things. His ministry is full of one miraculous healing after another. He is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom to all kinds of people. 
who have been labeled sinners and outcasts. In other words, he is fulfilling in his ministry every single one of the prophecies about the Messiah. So he's saying John can rest assured that he was right about Jesus. He was right that Jesus is the Messiah, and and Jesus fulfills the prophecies about the Messiah. He fulfills God's promises. There just is one thing that seems to have been left out in what Jesus said. Did you catch it? He makes no mention of the judgment of the wicked. Now, does Jesus not know his scriptures? Has Jesus forgotten what what Isaiah said? Is he a little confused? No, he is not confused at all. He knows exactly who he is, and he knows exactly the nature of his mission. He was simply helping John see the true nature of his mission, that Messiah brings the kingdom. And contrary to what John and others expected, the kingdom Jesus ushered in was a kingdom without judgment, at least for now. In Luke chapter 4, we read this account. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And then later he says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is one of those prophetic scriptures from Isaiah. It's Isaiah 61. But what part is Jesus left out? Do you remember from when we, when we looked at it earlier? And the day of the Lord's vengeance has come. He stops right before he gets to that part. Making the statement again. Messiah brings the kingdom. And for now. It is a kingdom without the judgment. Listen to what Jesus says in John's gospel about what he came to do. John 3, 17. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. John 12, 46 through 48. I do not judge anyone who hears my words and does not keep them. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. And on the last day, the word that I have spoken will serve as judge. On that day, there's another day. For now, I'm bringing in the kingdom. And it is of healing, and it is of restoration, and it is of redemption, and it is invitation to precisely the people you might think should be left out of the kingdom. I'm extending my grace To everybody, everywhere. We're not in the judgment right now. So, what would that mean for John? 
Well, if the kingdom Jesus was ushering in did not include judgment for the wicked, Jesus would not be casting out Herod anytime soon, and John would stay in prison. And so Jesus has this word for John as well. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. In other words, don't be offended, John, when I don't meet your expectations but instead fulfill the expectations of the Father and therefore surpass yours. Jesus was calling John to look at him and to look at what was happening through different eyes to see that even though evil was still a reality and the wicked still prospered, that the kingdom and all it entailed was a greater reality. The presence of evil, the prospering of the wicked did not nullify the coming of God's kingdom. Jesus was helping John see that he is the light that shines in the darkness. His kingdom is one that will never be defeated or overcome by evil. And even when the enemy would bring his worst upon the people of God, even upon the Messiah himself, which was another very unexpected part of Jesus' mission. God would be there to conquer death and raise his people to the greater reality of eternal life. Which brings me to that third word of encouragement. The light of Christ shines even in the darkest of circumstances. There's no place too dark for him to go. And there's no person God won't call to come into his kingdom. So my friend Jonathan from Kentucky is a great um, example, uh, proof that this is true. Um, His story is one of being raised in a Christian home, raised in the church, uh, grew up singing hymns. Um, I think he was in one of those little country churches where they would have a hymn singing. You know, you just pull it out and everybody, 385, you know, and you just sing all those hymns all the time. So he he grew up hearing all these songs. And um, unfortunately, when when Jonathan went off to college, um, he began experimenting with drugs. And somewhere along the way, you know, one thing led to another, and he ended up addicted to cocaine. Um, Somewhere in his mid-20s there, um, he was able to get clean. He got married. He and his wife had three beautiful daughters. Things were going great for him for about 20 years. Um, And then he succumbed to some temptation at work, and he started using again. He and his wife got divorced. He was separated from his children. He lost his job. He made his way back to rehab. He got clean again, was reunited with his family, started coming back to church. And one day we were just talking about his journey. And he told me how God had directly intervened in his life to pull him out of one of the worst pits that he had been in. He said, Susan, he said, I was in a pit of sin. He he said, there was one day I was in this place He said, I was surrounded by horrible things. I was surrounded by people doing horrible things. He said, I was doing horrible things, things you just can't talk about. And he said, I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted to enjoy it. And then these hymns started running through my head. 
these songs that I grew up hearing about God's grace and God's love. He said, it just kept going. I couldn't get it out of my head. And he said, I, I had to get out of there. I got him left. He said, Susan, God met me there in the darkest, most shameful place I could have been when I was being the worst version of myself. And he reminded me that his grace is available even to me, even there. And that's when he realized that God had a better life for him. This is another way that God is completely unexpected. You know, we don't expect him to come for us in our shameful places. We don't expect that he would come for us when we are being the worst versions of ourselves. But that's exactly what he does. And sometimes, guys, we take offense when he does that for somebody else that we deem as one of those sinners or an outcast. It's unexpected that he would act that way. But that is the way he acts. And this is what Jesus has come to say. That judgment will come one day. But right now, we're in the kingdom that I've ushered in. And it's one without judgment. And I'm coming for you in your darkest, most shameful places. I'm coming to tell you that there's a better life for you. There's more for you. I'm coming to tell you that I'm here to take you out of darkness and bring you into the light. And that doesn't meet anybody's expectations, guys. It surpasses our expectations that he would be a God like that. And when you think about it, you know, we really don't want God to meet our expectations, do we? I mean, I know mine are so small and so limited like, I really want God to blow my expectations out of the water. That's really what I want. I mean, how would he be God if he didn't do that, right? I mean, if I could imagine every scenario and I could figure out everything there was to, to know about God, I wouldn't really need him. I need him to blow up my expectations. And I want him to do that. I want him to be full of more grace than I can ever imagine. I want him to be more patient than I could ever imagine. I want him to show up in places that I would never expect to see him. I want him to transform lives that I thought were too far gone, even my own. I want to say, I'm so glad you came because never in my wildest dreams did I think you would be like this. So, my prayer for all of us this Advent is that our expectations of God, whatever those are, the expectations that we have about ourselves, 
or about other people as it concerns God's love and his grace, his ability to transform, his ability to deliver and redeem would just be blown out of the water. I pray that we would be like John and we would get new eyes. And that even if we are not delivered the way we want to be delivered, that we will have the hope and the faith to say, it's coming. My God has come and he has come to save me. And there's a greater reality ahead of me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for being unexpected. Thank you for being sometimes nothing, Lord, what we want, but everything we need. Lord, you, you are the greatest reality. May we not want to settle for anything less. And God, we praise you for coming to us in the, in the darkest pits. Lord, may we not believe the lies that say you are too far gone. You are in a place God cannot find you or hear you. He doesn't want you. May we never believe that, Lord. May we not believe it for ourselves, and may we not believe it for anybody else either, God. May we proclaim your truth, that your kingdom has come, and you have come in power to save and redeem every single soul. May we live fully into that every single day. In your name we pray. Amen.